get started in prayer, do a quick review, and then hit today's several verses. Lord, thank you for this morning, for the time you've given us here. We thank you for the church that you've given to all of us here at Community Bible Church and that we've come together to worship and serve you and striving to obey you and uphold your truth as best we can. Give us strength to look into it in greater and greater ways in our lives and to pursue you zealously and to pursue one another, encouraging one another to love and good deeds and to a good and faithful life and a walk after your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, so last week we talked about, I, the last two weeks we talked about Romans 12, 1 and 2. First we looked at what the therefore I urge you brethren by the mercies of God looks like or can look like. And uh, I was talking with Pastor Bill Menke this weekend and he he just brought it up that he'd been studying this passage and then I said, well, that's what I just taught on last week, the last two weeks. He's like, yeah, I've been realizing that I've been skipping over what it means to present, the term there, to present. And he says it occurs one other place in the Bible, but how we are supposed to be actively presenting ourselves to God. And he was just pointing out the reality of, are you actively presenting yourself? And I think that just came out in the message, or what we, what we discussed and went over the last two weeks. But he was reiterating to me how it struck him afresh in our conversation this week in that, is he actively presenting himself every day to God to be an obedient, willing, ready vessel, knowing the master's business, knowing the master's truth, and then doing all of that, and then also ready to do any other kind of service, ready for um, engaging any good deed that might come along, some new person coming along into our path that we can encourage and, and love. And, and a part of that would be obedience, because God tells us to do that. But we talked about, anyway, he and I talked about what it meant and what it looked like to present yourself. This needs to be acceptable to God. You're presenting yourself to God. This is your spiritual service of worship. This is how we serve the, and honor the King. I also talked about my personal testimony at the end of that. And a part of why I gave my personal testimony, and specifically, it's not like everything, it was just sins that I had before I came to know Christ, and even after. And some people would view those as major sins. And any one of those sins that I listed would normally be a case for church discipline being in a more grievous nature in the church for the sake of the purity of the church. But, but I did it to be open and honest and to be like, I wasn't born righteous. I wasn't born a believer. I wasn't born with the Holy Spirit like John the Baptist was. That was a grace given to him alone that we know of in the scripture, having a walk from infancy with the Lord. But I, I wasn't, and I don't think anybody else was in this room. And that's one of the things important to me. As I went through high school and was raised in the church, I was as lost as they come. And I don't want to play a facade with our children or with ourselves and deceive ourselves or to play a game or just to play church for the sake of playing some church game with each other. So that was to be open 
and to be like, this is where I've come from, this is who I was, well, that's not who I am anymore. And so that's the reality of how everyone, every Christian's life to some degree should be. Behold, old things have gone away, new things have come. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus, and that should be the reality. And that's why the apostles talk so much throughout the scriptures about, and in the Old Testament, a changed life. How did you know that you were the remnant of Israel? You were acting differently than the rest of Israel. You were holding to the truth. You were holding to God and serving him while the rest of the nation was going astray. You should look different, and your lives should be separate and distinct, and it should show a great deal of holiness in your life. So, <clears throat> this week, I, I believe some of that openness, too, of my personal testimony and about sin also brings uh, one of the main points of today's passage, which is about humility, to not think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. So I was kind of prepping for that as well. As we go into varying gifts in the church, God has given different people different gifts. And so let's read our passage. And we'll look at how Paul is about to open up this idea about gifts. Then he names a few in the passages after the one we're going to cover today. Somebody make sure you cut me off right at the top of the hour, okay? Raise your, raise your hands or two hands. That's my flag. Starting in verse 3, Romans 12, verse 3. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly, if prophecy according to the proportion of his faith. And I, I cut us off in the middle. I, I put all of six, but I mean 6A, the first half of six. Next week we'll look at a couple of the different gifts Paul specifically uses. Today in my lesson I actually looked at a few New Testament characters and talked about other gifts. One of them I believe ties in with the list right after this. Okay, so for through the grace given to me. Okay, Paul was given grace. He didn't muster it up on his own. He, he didn't say, I earned grace. Once again, he's reiterating the theme that I was given something. And the idea is, Paul's saying, I'm not to think more highly of myself. And grace was given. Grace was given to me. And now I'm telling everybody else to think with that same mind. And Paul's explaining what that looks like for us. I say to everyone among you not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think. And so let's just take a minute here and understand that Paul was given grace. He understood that very well, what that meant and what that did not mean. But he's talking about thinking highly of oneself. Can someone turn to 1 Peter 5 and read verse 5? 1 Peter 5 and read verse 5.
younger men likewise be subject to your elders, and all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, for God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Okay, just a, another another scripture that talks about having a humble state before other believers, and specifically that passage is talking about elders, pastors. But all the other, the rest of the church should should model that because Hebrews thirteen seven says you should imitate the pastor's faith, and the pastor's faith would include one of humility amongst other pastors, and so everyone should clothe themselves with humility and not think more highly of himself than he ought to think, and specifically this verse, thinking more highly of himself than he ought to think, takes on the context of gifts. If you read 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it's a, a more detailed passage about the gifts. 12, 13, and 14. Ephesians 2, 8 says, For by the grace, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. Another passage that talks about even the salvation that you have. You did not earn it. You did not muster it up on your own, as Pastor Chance had preached last week in Philippians. Faith was given to you. You're not to think of yourself more highly than other believers in the church. Paul was given grace. We were all given grace. <clears throat> Paul received it. He was on a road killing Christians, and the Lord knocked him from his horse, blinded him temporarily, and then had a, another man open his eyes, whom he would actually become in authority over as an apostle. So I want you to kind of think about the details of that story. Paul's not a Christian. God blinds him, knocks him from his horse. Everyone of his companions run away because of the thundering sound of Christ's voice. Paul is greatly humiliated and humbled before the Lord. He's blind. He goes into Ananias, a man, in, and um, the Lord gives Ananias the ability to remove Paul's blindness. Ananias explains some things about the gospel. Paul meets with the other disciples. He learns more. And then immediately, within a few days, he's teaching the truth of Jesus Christ very boldly to the point to where people are wanting to kill him and throw him out of the city already. It doesn't take long for Paul to get on his path. But it was, it was quite immediate. And Paul, Paul was a recipient of grace. And <clears throat> what's interesting is Paul is a writer of Scripture. God chose to make Paul an apostle. And Ananias would be the one who opened his eyes, but then would be underneath his teaching in the near future. Interesting. Paul doesn't have disregard for Ananias. He appreciates who Ananias was. But soon, Ananias would be reading Paul's scripture and be passing that on to future disciples that this is what we are to be about and do. So there's, this, there's difference in the body right there, just in Paul's story. It's in the media context. The difference between Paul and Ananias, Ananias is used to strengthen Paul, open his eyes and talk to him about the first one of the Lord. But then later on, Jesus Christ comes and reveals himself to Paul on the earth and teaches him in the deserts of Arabia. 
That didn't happen to Ananias. It didn't happen to me. That's what Jesus decided to give Paul and to make him, to give him to do. Okay, so we're seeing some of the differences there. Paul does not exalt himself before the churches. He constantly says, the grace that was given to me. What I am, I am by the grace of God. Okay? We should all clothe ourselves with humility and a low-mindedness of ourselves. Nevertheless, we should have bold confidence and courage in the truth as we live our life. We need to live as Christians before God, forgetting about ourselves. And our proper attitude should become one inwardly that lives and manifests itself outwardly, dwelling upon the Lord and on others at all times. That should be our great goal. Humility in our serving, humility in our doing. And we need to think so as to have sound judgment. God has allotted to each a measure of faith. We need to have sound judgment. Not that grace is given. We are all given grace. We need to have a low mind. Don't think highly of ourselves. We need to have realistic thinking as the way this could be interpreted or translated. We need to have a realistic thinking about what this means. If, if these things are true, what I'm describing to you and what I'm pointing out in these various scriptures is true, we need to think realistically according to those truths. Yes? Okay, so we don't just breeze over 1 Peter 5.5. 5. Don't just blast over Ephesians 2.8. Don't just blast over the first part of verse 3 here and the second part. It all comes to let's think realistically according to these truths and live realistically according to what we're studying and realizing to be the truth here. Okay? And then Paul goes on to say, God has allotted to each person a measure of faith. God allotting to each person a measure of faith, and specifically the measure of faith. What does that mean? Did anybody read the notes? I won't look. Um, <laughs> Anyway, I'll, I'll, I'll teach this section. I think this is important, this measure of faith. We're going to go into what does this mean? Okay, this is, this is kind of a difficult one to translate. In the Bible, faith can mean the faith that you have in the faith. And so the faith is two things. Faith is faith that you have, that you've been given by God. That's found in the Bible. Faith is something that's inside of you, that you're having in something that's outside of you which is the Bible. And so the Bible can become more and more strengthening the faith that's in you as you're putting the Bible, biblical truth, more and more into your mind and inside you. You're, you're being strengthened in the faith. Your faith is being strengthened in the faith. Jude talks about the faith as something that's outside of us. It's the Bible. It's the teaching. It's a body of truth that we have faith in and we uphold too with our faith that God's given us. We have faith in the faith. <clears throat> so Douglas Moo, one of the commentators that I read, informs us that this could mean that each individual person is allotted a measure of faith and in the context this faith would refer to specific gifts that you have as you walk out your faith 
So if you're a helper, you're a helper. If you're a giver, give cheerfully. If you're a leader, lead with <coughs> diligence. These are some of the Paul terms Paul uses. So that's how we could maybe help us understand that. He believes this section is to be interpreted as the truth, meaning the full body and measure of faith God has given us in the canon of Scripture, all 66 books. That's how Mu takes it. And then the second part explains the other half, which is measuring gifts. So he takes it like this. He says we can receive different proportions of giftedness. We can interpret it as that. And I believe the context, and I'll show that I agree with MacArthur that the context, I think, is the other. However, I want us to read what Moo says here. Moo further suggests and believes himself that the slightly better interpretation means the whole body of individuals, all Christians throughout all time, are given the body of faith in the Bible. And we are called to live and exercise our individual giftedness that God has given us also, according to the biblical principles and parameters. Okay, so let's say that you're a giver. Does this mean you can just go out and start giving your money to anybody and everybody? Is that what that means? No, you're supposed to do that with wisdom and according to biblical parameters and measures. Yes? Um, let's say that there's a poor person, but they're acting very lazily all the time. Okay, if you balance this truth out with the rest of Scripture, they're supposed to be disciplined by the church. You're not supposed to keep giving them resources. They're a complainer. They're lazy. Maybe they're gossiping, as is listed by Paul in some Scriptures. Even like widows. Paul says you can't give to a widow if she's not living a specific godly life. If she's a gossiper and just traveling around looking like a busybody, don't take care of her. But then he caveats or adds another thing and says, however, just because people are trying to abuse the church system, don't, be, don't let that crush your spirit to be loving and kind and still reach out to people. He, he puts that at the end. Still do good deeds. Still measure through all that. Be a king. Be wise like Solomon. Work through issues. Find out what's good and bad, and then you have to sort through things as they come. But he says, always be pursuing what's right. However, sometimes there's parameters to how we go about doing our gift, our deed. Somebody's a gifted singer. Does that mean they can get up there and sing Britney Spears in church morning service? No, right? Or Eminem? And say, well, I think there's something in here spiritual for us here this morning. Okay, so I'm a teacher. Does that mean I come here and read to you Joel Olstein's book on the prosperity gospel? No, I have parameters I have to follow, and you guys have parameters that you have to hold me to and anybody else to in the Christian walk in life. And so the measure of faith would mean the body of truth that we do everything by. God has given to us a full measure of faith, principles, parameters that we're supposed to have our faith in. He takes that as the faith, the Bible, and we're supposed to exercise our gifts and our life according to that. However, I believe both of these interpretations are found in Scripture, elsewhere in Scripture. And so I think you can interpret it both ways. Fine, and be within truth of the Bible. Okay? Does everybody understand that? So if you come to a crossroads at a passage, it could mean this, it could mean this. Is this found in the Bible elsewhere? Yes. Is this other interpretation found in the Bible elsewhere? Yes. 
So which one am I going to go with with this specific passage? They're not mutually exclusive to one another. Right. They're very intertwined, and we find that in the rest of Scripture. So it's not a big deal. But I thought it's worth us talking about for a second, because that's what we should do. If there's a difficult passage to interpret in Greek, let's look at it. We'll talk about it. Let's talk about it in both ways. This is what it means to be a good student and to look into things carefully. Yes? Mm-hmm. And we talked about it from both ways. Is it our giftedness and the faith we have? Or is it the canon of Scripture and we should do everything God's given us to according to the canon? It's both. However, we might not be able to fully prove amongst the scholars which one is exactly right. Because <laughs> both are right. I, I believe, okay, so let me prove to you why I believe what I believe. Okay, let's look at verse 4, starting right after measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body, all members do not have the same function. Now, key in on that word, same function. So we have measure of faith, and then I'm taking same function by Paul to, to, to draw out what he's talking about. Now let's keep going after verse 5. So we who are many are one body in Christ, individually members of one another, since we have gifts that differ. Okay? Measure of faith, not the same function, differ. Those three words in the context of each other start guiding my interpretation on what measure of faith means a little more to me, for, for me here. It's why I hold to what MacArthur holds to on for measure of faith. <clears throat> we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. And then Paul includes the grace given to us, meaning all of us, not just me, like he said at the beginning of the sentence. And so he starts off with himself. He says, we've all been allotted by God a measure of faith. And then he's starting to talk about what this, I believe, looks like. Not the same function, gifts that differ. So I believe the measure of faith is referring to the gifts he's about to give a list of. That's why I believe what I believe. Those three terms. Measure of faith, not the same function, gifts that differ. Those three. Does that make sense? Do you guys think that that's a pretty good... Yeah, that's a pretty good interpretation, I guess. You can see that a little bit. You don't have to, you don't have to agree with me. That's fine. This probably agrees with you. All right. <laughs> <clears throat> I do believe that believers have varying proportions of giftedness in varying areas that come from God. I also believe that we are to exercise our giftings according to biblical principles and parameters, as Moose suggests, which is the Bible, or the faith, the truth, the teaching that we are to hold to. I lean with MacArthur with my view here but theologically, I would inform everyone, they must practice their gift. And this is important. You must practice your giftedness. Whatever you do for the church and the Lord must be in accord with the Bible. Okay, we're not to live our lives and do whatever what's right in our own eyes with the good things God's given us. I can't just do anything with my money. I'm supposed to let biblical principles guide that. I can't just sing any song I want to. I can't just teach anything I want to. I can't just say anything I want to. God's given you the gift of your tongue. And James says, that's a gift and a curse. Right? Mm -hmm. 
You can do bad things with your tongue, and you can do good things with your tongue. You need to make sure you're doing good things with your tongue. You don't have license to use your tongue for evil just because God's given you a tongue. Does that make sense? God's given you a tongue, and he's given you a mouth, and he's given you breath. Use it for good. Don't think that because God's given you a tongue and evil comes out that I can use it for evil too. Like, that's okay. I hope that makes sense. Okay, for just as we have many members in one body, all do not have the same function. The body needs each individual part. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians 12. in a little bit on this phrase, God has allotted, why we are not to think more highly of ourselves. I'm coming back to this, God has allotted, another reason why we shouldn't think more highly of ourselves, 1 Corinthians 12, we'll start in verse 1, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware, so there's that thinking, realistic thinking, don't be unaware of the way things are, you know, knowledge Okay, there's outside knowledge that we're supposed to be taking in. That when you were pagans, you were led astray to the mute idols, however they were led. Therefore, I made known to you that no, one's, <clears throat> that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is a curse. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So there's teaching there that these people are now knowing, coming out of their pagan lives. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of ministries, not the same function in our passage, gifts that differ. Here's the term is varieties, okay? But it's the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. That's another way to say God has allotted to each. It's God the Spirit, God the Father, and God the Son that are doing this. God is the one who works all things in all persons. All the varieties, all the different effects that you see in each individual member ultimately comes from God. And if it ultimately comes from God, what ought to be the greatest application in our lives of that truth? Give glory to him for every gift you see in every person, the good that's coming out. Should you lust after what somebody else's strengths are? No. Should you, when somebody is honored in the church for their strength and their gift coming out in a great degree, do you covet that person or do you rejoice with them? Do you celebrate with them? Or are you like, oh, everybody should be looking at me right now? A lot of times it's like, who cares? What about, what about everybody honoring me right now, right? Paul says, when one member is honored, all members should rejoice. Some members are going to be honored more than others on this life. What matters is that we do what the scripture says. Verse 7. To each one is given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. 
Your gift isn't for yourself. Your gift isn't so you can be honored or exalted ultimately, even though that can happen and be biblical. But it's for and the ultimate purpose is for everyone else's good. The tree bearing beautiful fruit isn't like, hey, look at me. People are supposed to come to that tree and say, it's beautiful, and then they're supposed to what? To the fruit. Take the fruit and eat and enjoy what the tree produced, right? All the fruit that comes off of your life should be for giving glory to God and to be helping others become a more fruitful life. The rich juices that you pour into the fruit hanging off your branch should be to glorify Jesus and for others' common good so they can eat of what you've got to give and be strengthened in their gifts to serve the church as well. It's for the common good. Everything we are is for the common good. Our every stop they are. How that happened. <clears throat> okay, so we have gifts that differ. Everything comes from God. Be humble. Look to others first. Esteem others more highly than ourselves. Esteem Christ. Re rejoice for what everything that God is doing in every individual person that's good. Yes? Yes. Don't covet those who are honored or whose gifts are more showy than others. Uh, some people have quiet gifts, but Paul is going to talk about in these sections, you can read about every individual member of the body that has a function and, and has a purpose. Even the more showy gifts need everybody else in the back scenes. And showy gifts means those in, in public ministry, normally. The people who speak and sing and are in the front buildings. Those are the more showy, showy gifts according to biblical words. People that are in public proclamation. Pastors. Evangelists. Teachers. Lord, thank you for your time. Help us to go forward to the business meeting and to be wise and to strengthen the body together the rest of this week. We look forward to witnessing a baptism this afternoon. We praise you for that person's uh, profession of faith, confession of faith in you, and their obedience to be baptized according to your word and to follow Jesus with us. Amen. Thank <laughs> you.